Thank you for coming this morning. Typically, during the Sunday School Hour, we have one missionary come and present the work. Uh, today, we have something special. I've asked three men that have served as missionaries in different countries for a different period of time. I asked them to come and share a message on missions to you. First of all, it's going to be Bill Lecton, then we have Bob Gilley, then we have Phil Myers. All three have served as missionaries, and I'm going to let them share with you where it was and how long they were there. And the message God plans. So I'm going to ask them right now, please stay on time. <laughs> All of, <laughs> I'm sure they have a long message, so all of them have at least 15 minutes if, uh, or shorter. So uh, we need to stick on time there. So anyway, Brother Bill, you're certain. Come on up here. Ellie, and then after that, Brother Phil. God bless you, brother. Come on. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, I can see it's 10.03, so... Three minutes of mine's already gone. <laughs> That's just the breaks of the game, right? And so I knew that might come ahead of time, so I timed this out. If I read it all the way through, it takes six minutes. That gives me a little leeway. And I've been told by the other two that they demand the whole time, and then some. <clears throat> Therefore, uh, what I intend to do is just to give you a bird's eye view of how Georgia and I came to be missionaries in Korea. When we went to Korea, we had never been there before. We didn't make any trips ahead of time, but uh, we went and found out the hard way, uh, as my dad said in the school of hard knocks. <clears throat> so I wanted to let you know, first of all, that I was saved when I was 11 in a small town called Florence, Alabama. And that was when I was 11, and uh, I didn't really do much after that. We left that town and went north shortly thereafter. I, I got saved in March, and we moved in September, and everything in my life changed. Then after uh, that time, oh, I should have brought my glasses. <laughs> <clears throat> Minor detail. Anyway, um, when I was 15, I, I decided that I could not see how God could get the glory out of my life. So I went to the Lord and I said something along these lines. Lord, I don't know how you can get any glory out of my life, and therefore, I'm not going to pay any attention. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> this is from my wife. By Karen. <laughs> and uh, therefore, when it came time um, to talk to the Lord about this, I said, so I'm not going to even remotely try to give you the glory. I'm going to go my way. You go your way. Don't try and tell me what to do. Now, that, and thinking back on that, I'm wondering why he didn't slap me down. But nevertheless... Uh, that's what I told the Lord when I was 15. But then when I was 17, I was walking down the road one day, and as, as I went, all of a sudden it came over me, I'm alone. Have you ever been truly alone? Maybe not, but at this point in time in my life, I'm traveling, there was nobody around me, I was truly alone. And I didn't like it. And so I said, Lord, 
forgive me. You can have any glory out of my life that you can find. I don't understand, but it's okay. You tell me anything you want me to do, and we'll go from there. When I was 19, the Lord called me to preach, and I said no. He, he made it plain. I want you to preach. But I wasn't in a situation where, number one, uh, I was in a church that I really felt God was there. I mean, they talked about Christianity. Uh, but nevertheless, it just didn't seem to be real to me, and I didn't want them teaching me. So, instead of preaching, I got married. <clears throat> And I had real specific goals in life. You know, the kind that say, I'd like to grow up and be a millionaire and live in a big house. That was how specific it was. No real goals of how to get there. That was something else. But anyway, that was when we began our life together. And when, when you're raising a family, you don't think too much about exactly where you're going, how you're going to get there, or anything else. You're just doing your job. You're providing for your family, and one day becomes another, and so on and so forth. And as time went by, <coughs> excuse me, I have this cough, and I'm trying to get suppressed. Uh, I'm hoping it will work. The thing that happened was, once in a while, I would go to church and check out this one or check out that one. And I was never satisfied with what I found until April of 1970. Now, you have to understand that underneath all these things that I'm telling you, I knew in my heart that God was going to tell me or I was going to understand, I don't know how, that I would know what to do with my life when I was 30. Up until then, it was kind of, okay, go do whatever you want to do. But at 30, you're going to know. <clears throat> I walked into this church with Georgia, and our kids were already there. They'd gone there on a bus. And the preacher was preaching. Actually, he was teaching at that particular point in time. And he sounded like he believed what he was teaching. He was teaching out of the King James. And I thought, okay, that's good. And as it went on, I, I decided just sitting there, oh, this is a church that I can be a part of. And then he said that Sunday night he was going to preach on Revelation. And, of course, I was concerned about the future. So that was the beginning. We walked in. We were there. We were in church. That was April. Guess when I turned 30? That August. By then, we'd been out on visitation. We'd gotten involved in just about everything the church did. Georgia became the church secretary, and whenever the preacher had guests that came in, he would bring them to our house because Georgia was just a good hostess. <clears throat> During that October, we had our first mission conference. 
And when we had the mission conference, during that time, I was telling Georgia, I, I want to go to Bible school. I don't want to sit here in the pew for 20 years trying to figure out what's in the Bible. I want to now. And so naturally, she said, sure, honey, we'll do whatever you want. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, I like my house. You go to school, and I'll be a good missionary and send you money. And so time went by, and sure enough, we surrendered to go off to Bible school. It wasn't because I felt God called. It was just because I wanted to learn the Bible. Everybody else said, oh, you surrendered. Well, you go ahead, think what you want. Uh, I'm just going to learn the Bible. But I was going to missions classes, and Georgia had to go too. So off we went to Bible school. And we went through that, and <clears throat> the simplest way that I can say that was we sold the house in a record short time, and we got everything put together, and that to me is the time when Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me, really came into part of my life. Our kids were 10 and 8. And it was the first time that they'd gone anywhere. And as time went by, of course, they grew up. When they had to go with us, they did. But they learned to express their ideas when they didn't like things after that period of time. And so we went to the school in 71. We left the school in 74, graduated, and... Uh, George's mom and grandmother came to the service and we had just found out that we had been called to Korea because a pastor from Korea came, presented the field and said, it's dirty, people don't like the food from America, they come here and they don't, don't adjust, the language is hard, but everything he said was, didn't matter, God was there pressing down my shoulders, her shoulders, and we both agreed at that time. And I also learned to tell the Lord. I said, when you tell me, tell her too. <clears throat> we went off to, for two years of internship in Portsmouth, Virginia. And then we applied as missionary candidates. And that was kind of hard to do because Portsmouth, Virginia was only 50 miles from her hometown. And... She was afraid that we might never get out of there. So she made sure that I got all the paperwork in order to be approved. <clears throat> so at the same time that we were going through our internship, our home church ordained me. And so this is 2 Timothy 1.6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul ordaining Timothy just as our church ordained me. And from there, we had to be approved by the time I was 35. So we went off to be approved as missionaries of the Baptist Bible Fellowship. We went in April, and they approved us in spite of having two teenagers. And uh, that April, the following August, I turned 35. I was pushing the limit everywhere we went. 
but God was in it all. And this is Numbers eleven twenty three. And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. So finally, we arrived in Korea by way of Hawaii in August of 1977. My time is up. You're up, Bob. I uh, I was saved in uh, 1971 uh, after being in the Air Force for uh, four years. I married at 19. My lovely bride, uh, she was 17 at the time. And next week we'll be celebrating 52 years of marriage. Amen. I, I know I don't look like it, but uh, I got 1015, so I got 1030. Uh, but... Uh, I got saved at an old-fashioned independent fundamental Baptist church in Charleston, South Carolina. It was on a Friday night. The youth department left the door open late at night, and I got, went in there. We had some problems in our marriage at the time. And uh, I went in, and I got things right with God. I said, God, if you have me, I sure have you, because my life was a wreck. Uh, I, I was in all kinds of things, and, and uh, I trusted Christ as my Savior at that time. My wife trusted Christ about three months before that in Savannah. And so from there on, uh, we got training in the Fundamental Baptist Church. Uh, I went to uh, Hiles Anderson College uh, in 1973, no, 1978. And in 1978, after four years, I graduated with a pastoral theology degree and was ordained the same night of graduation in 78. Uh, uh, no, in 82. I went there in 78, graduated in 82, ordained there at that time. Uh, but I was preparing to go to be a pastor. Uh, I wanted to be an evangelist, but I was too scared. So uh, after uh, pastoring for a number of years in uh, three churches uh, down near Fort Myers, uh, also a church in Oklahoma and a church in Arkansas. And uh, while at Arkansas, my wife and I had visited a uh, uh, Independent Baptist Church, who were having a missions conference in Little Rock. So we went to Little Rock, and we went several times to the missions conference, and God began to get a hold of my heart, because I've been pastoring for a number of years now, and we'd held mission uh, conferences, and we'd have missionaries come by and speak, and my heart was touched every time they came, but I never really wanted to be a missionary. I didn't know anything about it. I never took any missionary courses in school or anything like that. Uh, so... I uh, continued to go there, and they had several missionaries from different parts of the world. One missionary spoke about the country of Brazil. And I said, well, that's interesting. Today, Brazil has 217 million people. It's the fifth largest country in the world compared to the size of the United States. And he went on and on and on about the statistics. And as he went on and was preaching and was giving his uh, heart uh, to us uh, about Brazil, my heart began to ache within me. And uh, I could not get away from this uh, prodding and, and this conviction about missions. And before he speaks, he says, somebody ought to go to Brazil. Somebody ought to go to Brazil. Somebody ought to uh, go to Brazil right from this congregation. And I thought to myself right then, I said, if you'll shut up long enough and sit down, I'll, I'll come forward during the invitation. I'll go. <laughs> so he finished. The invitation was given. And I came down the aisle. And I, I couldn't do anything else. 
pastoring all these years, and God, are you sure you may be a missionary to Brazil? And I had 100% assurance, as well as I knew that I was saved, that God had called me to Brazil. All of our sons were there at that time. My oldest son was working on the staff there at that church. It ran about 500, I guess. And uh, he was in that conference also, along with my other three boys. And so after services, we're gathered there in the foyer, large foyer. And I saw my wife and my oldest son talking. And I went up to him after speaking to several people. And they were talking. And uh, my wife says, hey, uh, Bob Jr. has something to tell you. And he said, Dad, God called me to Brazil tonight. And we never even talked about it. And I said, see, God, you got me mixed up with the other Bob. <laughs> he said, no, no. So I said to my wife, I said, you know what, honey? You're not going to believe this. She looked at me. I said, God's called me to Brazil also. And before I told her, she was all bubbly and everything. When I said, God's called me to Brazil, she went, <laughs> Really? Yeah, and so uh, we went to langu- uh, we went to uh, uh, missionary training courses with the BBFI in uh, Missouri, and took all their courses. Went to their school and uh, began to uh, prepare to go to Brazil. At that time, I was forty four years of age. After pastoring several years, forty four years of age. I said, God, can you use somebody at 44? I usually hear of young people going. Teenagers surrendering and young couples, married couples are leaving for the mission field. I've been in the pastorate for years and now you're calling me. And all these questions came up. How am I going to raise support? Well, they teach you. Well, that was no longer a question. Uh, Lord, I can barely speak English. And they speak Portuguese in Brazil. How am I going to learn that? I'll teach you. Okay. Uh, All these questions were answered. I had no other uh, objections. You know what? What is a missionary? We went to to Brazil in uh, 2000. Was it 2000? 2001. After raising our support. We had to raise sixty thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, uh, sixty thousand that year. They had to raise. It took about two years to raise support. Finally, got uh, to the field in uh, two thousand one, and we stayed there for ten years. Had buildings built. Uh, my son and I. He came a year after I was there, and we worked together. And it was an amazing thing once you surrender to the Lord's will, what He can do with you. So. As I was in language school, and my son, he picked up, of course, he was a lot younger, and he picked up the language better than I did, and we began to knock on doors, began to visit the area there that uh, he had bought some property there to build a church building. We, we set up a concrete pad and uh, it put a tent on it that will seat about 200. That first summer, as we knocked on doors and everything, we said, Lord, would you give us 100 for vacation Bible school? We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have any workers, we didn't have any teachers, but we're asking God to give us 100 people for vacation Bible school. We knew that my wife and my son's wife and a couple of other ladies, you know, they could handle all those kids, but, you know, give us 100. So we prayed and we worked and knocked on doors where we clapped and went all that, and God gave us 274 for vacation Bible school the first year. We didn't know what to do with them. 
They were sitting on the floor in that tent. It was hot. We began to build buildings, bathrooms, Sunday school buildings and stuff like that. We didn't know what to do with them. We baptized 27 that first summer. So God gave us, uh, and I say that for God's glory. He can use anybody if you just say, God, I'm 100% dependent upon you. If you let God do it. We used to think that, you know, missionaries are heroes. And in a sense, they are. But you know, when God calls missionaries or anybody else to the ministry, he uses common people like you and me, doesn't he? Doesn't he? I'm looking at you guys, too. He can call you. Even though you might not be 44 or whatever, but he can call you, too. It's an amazing thing. You know, heroes are just people who open up their hearts and their lives to the will of God. No matter where you're at in the ministry. If you'll open up your life and open up your will and let it be God's will, God will set you to the side and he'll provide every need. He'll provide whatever you need on the mission field. We're not seeing younger people surrender to the mission field for several reasons. A lot of them, parents want the children to go to some secular university to learn how to uh, make a large salaried uh, career out of themselves. And I actually know some parents whose children have surrendered to the mission field, and they were upset about it. How can you be upset by surrendering to the perfect will of God for somebody's life? I don't understand that. And so we as parents sometimes, we have a tendency to send our kids to a secular university and not even praying about the will of God for their own lives. We ought to let God have his will and way in our children, folks. God is calling people, and many times parents are thwarting the will of God for their own children. We've got to watch out. Even in our own lives with our careers and our salaries and and what we want to do, have you ever thought that what God might have for your life, I don't care how old you are, you don't have to be a teenager to go to mission field. You don't have to even go to a foreign field to be a missionary. There's a radio ministry. There's a short-term missionaries. There are uh, uh, missionaries that go and fill in for people while they go on furlough. You can do a lot of things. You don't even have to go to the foreign field. There's a lot of things here, a lot of opportunities. And so uh, after going through all of that, uh, after 10 years, uh, we're going to finish up a building uh, the crude way, mixing concrete by a hole and <laughs> out on the ground and having the tiles for the roof and all that stuff. Uh, uh, we just about had that done. I was driving down the interstate to go to work, and I got five minutes. And the uh, Lord began to speak to my heart. He says, I want you to go back home. And I just wept like a baby all the way. I said, God, I've only been here 10 years, eight years on the field doing this. And now you're calling me back home. I don't want to go back. But I'll do whatever you want me to do. My wife, uh, she learned the language well. Uh, she taught the children the uh, vacation Bible school. She taught in Sunday school classes. Had a great time. We thought we were going to be there the rest of our lives. But we wanted to stay as long as God wanted us to stay. Let me uh, close with this next four minutes or six minutes. In 1950, there were 2.5 billion people on the face of the earth. In the United States alone, there were at that time approximately 100,000 missionaries. In 2023, there are about 8 billion people in the world. As of this year, it's tripled. As of 2019, right before the pandemic broke with COVID, the United States was sending out about 29,000 missionaries in the world with only 7,200 being independent Baptist missionaries. 
that was a decrease at that time by 71% had gone down and decreased and sent missionaries out in the world. 71% decrease. As of 2019, before the pandemic broke loose with COVID, the Mormons were sending out over 71,000 full-time missionaries on the foreign field, not counting the elders and ones here in the United States. 71,000 to 7,200 independent Baptists. Unbelievable. When we were there in Brazil, we saw them everywhere. Bicycles walking. We didn't see too many Baptists going anywhere. As of 2019, there were about 5,000 independent Baptist missionary families worldwide, with only 2,628 served on foreign fields. 2,628 families, independent Baptists serving on foreign fields. What happened? The churches dropped the ball. At that time, there were still 72 nations with no missionaries at all. None. I'm going to close with a story. There's a, and I don't, I don't think that he would mind me saying this if he saw it on live stream. And I'm not sure we're on live stream, but we may be. When I went to Hiles Anderson College, there's a, a young man there. He had a large family, probably four or five, six kids at the time. He was about my age when he went there. His name was Kevin Wynn. Kevin was the type of guy who, he really didn't dress real nice. He kind of unkept. Looked like he had nothing going for him. I mean, he didn't have very many friends, but he was always studying. Always doing what he uh, was called to do. Drove an old car. His family was really poor. And you thought, this guy has absolutely nothing going for him. <laughs> you know, that's what self-judging will do for you. Kevin graduated the same year I did. We were both ordained at the same time on graduation night. Kevin said, I'm going to the mission field. I said, really? Yeah, where are you going? I'm going to Mexico City. God's called me to that large city of about 23 million people at that time. Mexico City. I said, all right, good luck, Kevin, you know, because I was going to the pastorate. Today, Kevin is running in the thousands in his church, reaching multiple thousands in Mexico City, doing a tremendous job, a tremendous plant, and planting churches all over Mexico. I mean, look, God can use somebody like Kevin to do great things for God, if they were only surrendered. As we have this missions conference this month, is God speaking to a married couple? And say, so, well, I just got a house. I just got a new job. It doesn't matter what you've got. I would rather be in the will of God than to be outside the will of God doing my own thing. God can provide. He's proven it over and over and over again. Let me give you a quote, and then I'll sit down. I know I got a couple, three minutes, but let me say this. I was doing this research on these numbers the other day, a couple of weeks ago, and there I found a quote by John Keith Falconer, F-A-L-C-O-N-E-R. And this man said, listen very carefully. He said, I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded by light. Are we not living in a land that's just flooded by light? What I'm talking about, I'm talking about spiritual light. 
We've got the Bible. We've got independent Baptist churches and all kinds of churches everywhere you look. And this country is filled with spiritual light. And yet all over the world, most of the world has not been evangelized. Many are living and being in darkness. And so he said, I have but one candle of life to live, just like you've got one candle of life to live. I've got only one candle of life to live. And he said, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded by light. Folks, we're living in a dark world. That's what makes missions month so good, so exciting to hear these missionaries come and give the reports that we might pray for them. You say, well, I'll be a missionary wherever God sends me, whether it's the United States or around the world. That's great. And some will say, well, I'm just going to give. Well, you continue to give. Raise your support, mission support every month. Don't get stale, but consider going. I believe that God's going to call somebody here. A lot of pastors would rather keep all their people and them not go to the mission field. But our pastor here, Brother Pearson, he's praying for people to go to the mission field from our congregation. Will you go? Or are you just satisfied with what you're doing right now? Let God determine the will for your life and then just do it, okay? Usually your church planters. We pray for them every week in junior church. This week is a challenge for all of us as church members at Land of Lakes to go. You've heard how God got these two guys to go. I'm not going to tell you how I got went. We have trained you and infected you with a passion to support others. Now it may be the time for you to leave. Say with me, Luke 10, 2. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And Isaiah responded with, here I am, send me. Bob, Bill, and I with our wives responded to cross-cultural needs in Brazil, Korea, and Indonesia. We're still willing to go, but God has opened doors for us to serve here right now, and we're content with that. Just last week, Kay said to me, I wonder if God is going to use us again overseas. I turned 79 this month, or this summer. We moved out of a 3,000 square foot home in a tiny, into our tiny red house here in Land of Lakes because we wanted to be ready to move and pick up the stakes if that's what God wanted. A couple years ago, we were asked to go to Togo to teach at a Bible college, and we immediately said yes. But the Bible college never opened, and so we're still here. This morning, we are asking each one of you to be willing to quit your job sell your house, look for a mission agency where they can use your spiritual gifts, maybe go to Bible college for a couple of years and spend the rest of your life becoming a laborer in his cross-cultural harvest. Maybe it will be just to rent out your house for three years and volunteer to be a missionary, uh, serve a board for a year, maybe a dollar a year. My dad did that. So, you, so can you. Maybe it will be overseas, maybe stateside, maybe as a volunteer. God can also replace you here at First Baptist, no matter how important and valued you are. Here are 33 different kinds of ministries where you might fit without becoming a church planter. These are all church planters. Some are designed, some are designed so that you can use your home as a mission outpost to reach your neighborhood. Pastor Peter has contacted four Baptist mission offices during this past week about several of these needs, and I've added a whole bunch to it, that list. 
Mission agencies can use all of these. Number one, youth group workers in an English-speaking church. If you're good here, you could be good there. A friend of mine, Brian, quit his job here, moved to Cambodia to work with teens in a youth group And as soon as he and Jody had an empty nest. Junior church teacher. I did it myself in Indonesia. Volunteer warehouse workers, maintenance workers, janitors, construction workers, painters, office helpers, writers, editors, computer specialists, tract giver outers, helping hands often are welcomed by admission headquarters around the country. Our neighbor Ruth did it the first year she was saved. Handyman volunteers at almost any of a dozen mission headquarters here in the state of Florida. Full-time, maybe just three months a year. Larry and Judy Thompson did that when they came here. Secretary at Home Office, Shirley was a tremendous help to us as individually we were uh, on our way to Indonesia. Before joining Awana, Brian and Sandy Rhodes took care of our mailing list as we went to Indonesia as well as, well as while we served there. Research assistant, my wife Kay served a week at a time three times a year for Wycliffe Bible Translators for a couple of years. I became a hungry bachelor for those weeks, you understand. Summer camp coach for Jewish and Muslim kids in Israel, helping to teach soccer as well as American football. Contact Pastor Al Nutrioni, pastor of the Jerusalem Baptist Church. Homeschool facilitator. Talk to Janelle Diata. She's right here. <laughs> She works in Africa with homeschool families. Just being an uncle or an aunt at an orphanage for a year, helping, listening, talking, being a friend. My mom and dad supported orphans on three continents, and when they retired, they went to India for three months as Uncle Jake and Aunt Lillian. The director of the mission said, we need nothing more than someone to be an uncle or aunt. Could you serve as a logistics director for a disaster relief organization? My grandson did it in Africa as well as Bermuda. Not Bahamas, I read that wrong. Our own Jeff White has found a ministry giving financial advice to mission organizations, pastors, and missionaries. My granddaughter is finishing her education in psychology so that she can minister to girls at risk in the sex trafficking trade. My daughter is a family counselor, and yet she has been used by mission agencies for two-week counseling stints, ministering to missionaries around the world. Number 14, Christian schools need administrators for a year at a time when their headmasters return home for furlough. Go do it, or send Dave Nichols or Chad Martin for a year, or Brian Branham. Be number 15, become a buyer for, a missionary, for missionaries. Best, get the best prices on airplane tickets, buying computers, cars, passports, visas, piano keyboards. Some of you are really good at this. Teach English to businessmen at great competitive wages. Everybody wants to have a native speaker to learn their English, and they want to improve it in the business community. Barbara did it. Kay taught English at the local Indonesian university. A course in T-E-S-O-L, that's for teaching English, is neither expensive nor difficult to prepare for you to do the same. Number 18, take one or two weeks annually to serve as an evangelist for a medical team. Our own Melissa did it. You expect, she had to explain the gospel hundreds of times in a week 
while the medical team was taking care of their physical needs. Louie, a professor at Florida Bible College of Tampa, does it on a regular basis. Bart, my college roommate, does it. He's a pediatrician. Number 19, missionary candidates are often in a state of limbo when they are raising their support. Some mission boards use retired couples to keep in touch with three or four candidates for a couple of years until they reach the field. My folks did that for years. Pick up USF international students at the airport each semester as each semester begins or ends. I've done it for a couple of years. It's a great way to meet international students. We have 5,000 international students looking for an American friend at USF. School teachers for a, a one or two or three year st stints. Rent out your home, it's all in English. Sharon did it, she went to Korea. They paid her very well. This was not a missionary school. Number 24, choose your own target group, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, whatever group you work best with. Number 25, house parents at boarding schools are worth their weight in platinum. It's all in English, great job for grandmas, single or married, and you can still keep in touch with your own grandkids by Skype and email. Stephen Lois did it. They had three of their own kids while they were house parents. Reaching out, number 26, reaching out to kids in refugee camps, 27. Bookkeepers, 20, mission boards need bookkeepers here in the States. Number 28, guest house host. Mom and dad did it in Kenya for two years. Dad was a superintendent of distribution for Philadelphia Utility until he retired, but he made beds with mom, served missionaries meals, did laundry, shuttled missionaries back and forth to the airport, took phone messages, and when the team leader took his furlough, he asked my dad to be the temporary team leader for the next year and conduct the annual missionary conference, which was dreaded by most missionaries. And many said it was the best conference they had ever had. If none of the above fit your circumstances, just make a commitment to reach the 25 families nearest your home. Bake chocolate chip cookies for all 25. We've done that up and down our street. We've got 25 families on our street. Have Easter sunrise service in your backyard this year. We are do doing that for the first time. Samples of our invitation to our neighbors. This is not inviting you. This is inviting our neighbors to come to our backyard on Easter Sunday morning at 8 o'clock sharp. And we've got gay families, and, and there's a bunch of them over there if you want a sample of what kind of things you can pull off in your neighborhood. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever promised God you were willing to do absolutely anything he wanted you to do, even be a missionary. God has kept you right here, hasn't he? For now, anyway. Some of your kids and grandkids have already made that decision. They have talked to me about their decision to be missionaries in junior church. I'm not asking you to make a decision right now, but I'd love to see how many of you uh, have made that commitment at some earlier time in your life. Please raise your hand now if you've already dedicated your whole life to God at some point in the past. I did it when I was in junior church at the age of 10. Go ahead, raise your hands. And look around, look at all your friends who've made that kind of decision. Uh, put your hands down. Maybe God has kept you here at First Baptist for a reason to give you a passion to make a shift in your life. Those of you who have found ministry in inviting neighbors to church are exactly the kind of people that every pastor and church planter would love to have in his church. Some of you are good at bringing other people into the church house, and some of you 
Can't, you, you ask and they don't come. Maybe rent your house out for a year and go and help a church planter just for a year in English with a translator maybe or go, go to a country where they need a translator. For some of you, this week's decision is to be a fervent, rabid prayer warrior on behalf of First Baptist Mission Team. What I hold in my hand is called the hedge. It's a list of 300 ways to pray for your missionaries. All these things you want in their life, all those things you want out of their life. I made it for my own kids when my kids were all little. Uh, I put a stack of these near each door. And uh, you may only take one of them if you will promise me that you'll use it to ramp up your commitment to pray for more mission, for missionaries more intelligently. Many adults have never learned to pray deeper than the childish mantra, God bless all the missionaries in the world and keep them safe. Your missionaries are safe, by the way, almost always. Stop it and learn to pray with more wisdom and insight than God bless all the missionaries. There's 300 ways. And uh, maybe also to read the missionary newsletters that, that uh, the church office sends out. Some of you get them and you never read them. Tell pastor at the end of the meeting about any decision you have made. Copies of this list I just read are over here on the floor. I've got to run to junior church in just one minute. Let's stand and pray. Stand if you, if you would, please. Heavenly Father, I, I ask that you, as the Lord of the harvest, would send some of these, my friends, out to many places where the gospel has never reached. Lord, here am I. Send me. Amen.